Good morning, and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumpster, and today we're going to be talking with Joey Price, who's the founder and CEO of Jumpstart HR, among 75 other things. And so we're going to get us about who he is and what he does. Hi, Joey. Hey, John. It's a pleasure. Uh, I just hung all my 75 hats up at home, so I'm excited to chat with you today about everything that's going on. So so take a moment and, and give us a deep introduction. Who are you? What do you do? Um, what turns you on? Yeah, so uh, I am Joey Price, founder of Jumpstart HR, and at Jumpstart we provide outsourcing and consulting services for small businesses and startups. The small businesses and startups who want more than a handbook, but they really want those CHRO level eyes and uh, and strategy on their business. And I've had the company since uh, 2011, so this will be our eighth year in business. And we operate across the country with uh, businesses all the way from California to D.C. And uh, that's been fun. Um, offshoots of that have been my podcast. I've got a, a podcast called Business Life and Coffee, where it's weekly conversations with entrepreneurs or about things that entrepreneurs care about. Uh, and then also I was an adjunct professor for a while at uh, Stony Brook University teaching graduate-level HR, as well as uh, sitting on the HRM advisory board for the Forbes School of Business. So those are just a few hats that are relevant, and um, my wife definitely turns me on, uh, so I want to give a shout-out to her. But as it relates to HR, I'm really passionate, obviously, about small businesses competing against larger ones for talent and uh, helping them scale and grow. And really, really fascinated around the conversation of artificial intelligence in HR, uh, how to do it the right way. And by right way, I mean ethically, uh, where some of the moral clauses around it. And uh, I've just always been a kind of techie guy. So combining my love of human performance and technology and seeing how they can both play well together in the long run. So you just got named to the HR Executive Magazine's Top 100 Influencers in in HR Tech. Um, what's that like? Did, was that a surprise? And, and what's happened as a result of that? Well, yeah, that came out a few weeks ago, and it caught me by surprise. Um, in some ways, it, it, there's there's surprise of, well, I didn't, you never know who's paying attention, right? You never know who is listening to your soapbox or uh, reading your material or really just um, influenced by what you have to say. Um, so that was very surprising and humbling. Um, and as far as what it's meant for the future, uh, the big answer, honestly, is, is uh, I don't know. Um, I've been approached by a few conferences that have said, hey, uh, congratulations on being nominated. Uh, keep us in mind um, for a speaker, panelist kind of role. So I'm uh, going to be exploring those routes. Um, but really, it just kind of lights the fire even more to pursue conversations around the role that uh, 
humans have with technology, um, specifically in the HR space. And so that means, you know, having more of a focus, writing more articles, sharing more tweets, having more valuable conversations, and uh, connecting with, with leaders in the field like yourself. So uh, just realizing that any award is not just, you know, something shiny to go on the wall or a plaque to frame, but I really see it as a responsibility to carry the conversation further in a meaningful way. So to be on the list is an honor. And as far as what's in the future, uh, it would be, you know, more speaking engagement, uh, more collaboration with other thought leaders and influencers and analysts, and um, just really using my voice uh, for the issues that, that matter um, in, in HR and AI. So, so you're on the list. Of, I, I always wonder what an influencer actually is. Uh, um, so I'd be interested in what you think an influencer is and does. Um, and um, there's few associated with this, but this is some sort of acknowledgement of what you've been doing already. So, so, so what are the things you've been doing that, that makes you end up like this? Well, I think I got my start. Uh, in the HR conversation years ago, probably 2010, 2009, in those original conversations on Twitter, the HR chats with, uh, with the Society for Human Resource Management, um, being quoted in various articles, um, various publications. And so there's just been this, this snowball sort of momentum as far as the, the reach and impact uh, back in 2010, uh, not 2010, 2012, uh, my company did a research on the candidate experience, and I did a webinar uh, called on HR.com called Would I Work Here? Three Keys to Developing a, a Website that Attracts Top Talent. And it was myself, um, some key people, and some, some interns, and we just reached out to various um, professionals, young professionals that asked, hey, what do you look for in a website? And at that time, not a lot of people were having questions about the candidate experience because not a lot of employers thought that it was important. And so that work was published in SHRM and in a book in SHRM. And uh, from there, it's just kind of, it was that, that point of, huh, I, I can have a, a, a say in this conversation. And what I do say matters. And um, when you're a young, when you're a young black male in HR, you're essentially a triple minority. And so really just saying, okay, well, even at this level at, at, at 26, 27, you know, I can make a difference in the field. Let's see how far I can run with this. Um, so it's, it's just been more of the same. It's, you know, covering conferences, whether that's through blogging, uh, video, podcasts. Uh, having conversations with with uh, technology leaders. Um, I had uh, Adam Rogers from Ultimate Software on my podcast not too long ago. And just continuing to, to show up uh, when it matters and uh, having something uh, important to say. So that's probably the uh, the snowball's momentum of, of how I got to this point. And, um, so, you know. It, so having something important to say is a big deal. What important thing that you're saying these days? Well, really, it's around the conversation of AI and its role in human resources. Uh, you know, there's a lot of conversation about 
making the recruitment process more efficient for the human resources professional. But I think that we really need to take a look at, okay, what are we doing holistically in the, in the process? So job descriptions, all right, if we're going to take technology and uh, match resumes up to a job description, how valid is that job description in the first place? And then if we're going to, uh, again, use that same theory, how reliable are uh, resumes in the first place, whether someone's going to a resume writer, whether um, it's a, you know, haphazardly put together, where you may have a really strong candidate who just has a terrible resume. Um, how can we make technology go beyond the surface, uh, so to speak, and really connect with people who might be high potential or highly capable, but either they haven't represented themselves well on their resume or the job description isn't valid or 100% accurate of the duties that they might be assigned. That's an interesting thing. You know, you know the, um, the, the general sense in the world is that recruiting fails 50% of the time. Right? And you, can, you can find that the latest yeah. edition of Harvard Business Review goes, it goes into detail about that. Uh, but but every every other hire is a mistake in in the recruiting world, and so so I wonder um, if we don't need to really rethink how recruiting works, other than spending our time making it faster, making these broken processes better. I wonder if you've been thinking about that. I have actually, and I'm in the process of of writing a book. Um, basically about the employee experience um, through the life cycle of an employee. And when we think about in a, um, a, a post-mortem report of why did a, a, a new hire work, not work out, um, sometimes it's not the recruiting process, but sometimes it's that first 90 days and the experience they have with their manager and their team. And so what can we do to... A, represent the organization uh, well, um, B, uh, have a clear understanding of who the candidate is and their value to the organization, and then C, how do you nurture that value throughout their life cycle at the organization, and what sort of mile markers should you be having for the employee uh, each step of the way? Like, how do you assess someone's move from a developmental phase to uh, being ready to even have an influence in the organization, um, whether that be a leadership title or not. And so it, it, it's, it's part recruitment, um, part recruiting process that, that fails, but it's also those, that introductory period of, of an employee um, that fails. And so I think there's, there's responsibility on both sides, the employee and the employer. You know, you know, I, I, I got to call bullshit on that. Um, um, if you hire people who can't make it through the first 90 days and recruiting approves somebody who can't make it through the first 90 days, there's something wrong with the process, right? You're not hiring the, the right people to get through. the. So the first 90 days is terrible and the manager is bad and all of those things. If you hire, if, if, been somebody who can't make it through that you haven't done the job in recruiting. I I think there's a short answer and there's a long answer to that or a short response <laughs> to that. 
right? <laughs> By no means do I have all the answers, and I'm sure someone listening to this conversation uh, could run circles around anything that I have to say. But uh, there are various reasons why people get passed through. There are various, um, you know, um, motivations for a person to mask who they are in order to get into a, a role. Um, you know, I, I've been in situations where someone wanted a job just so that they could relocate to a certain area. And then once they got that job, they really just wanted to be with their, you know, the person they were going to marry. So there's a, there are a lot of human elements to the recruiting process that technology is just not going to sniff out. And so the, the, the short answer is there's a lot to it. Um, the long answer would probably breaking down each uh, each uh, failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't you can't say you can't say that because some people are sociopaths, recruiting fails fifty percent of the time. <laughs> you, you know, I, I'm sure I'm sure that there are bad eggs all over the place who are clever enough to bypass anything. But but the job of the recruiter is to, is to catch that. Right, and so the job of, so just right. The job of the recruiter is to find people who will be good in the job. That is true, and um, so here's here's something that I I learned about doctors uh, that apply to every every job is you can't assume that the person doing the job is highly qualified and capable of executing the task. You know that's that's why. Doctors is called a practice. That's why law is called a practice. Uh, the same with a recruiter. You may have a person that's not skilled at doing the job, or they may not know uh, the best way to do the job. And so if there's an assumption that there's a perfect scenario, perfect recruiter, and then they fail or the, the scenario fails, it could be processed, but it also, it also could be the, the recruiter himself. Doctors and lawyers have malpractice insurance, and we're talking about a malpractice rate of fifty yeah. percent. Um, yeah. Right, and so, and and so and so so it would be nice. I and I don't mean to 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 grind you and put you on the spot here, but it would be nice to have a oh, how do you make recruiting better answer, right? Um, yeah. Uh, right. Instead of recruiting is screwed up, so it's somebody else's problem. Um, yeah, that's what recruiters say, and that's why the rate is fifty percent. Because the question here isn't about the other people; is how how do we tolerate a fifty percent failure rate in recruiting? Right, and and do we want to apply yeah. or the, the the beginning of the conversation is do we want to apply um, advanced technology to make that process faster? And cheaper, and, and I think the answer is the answer is we want to be real careful about what we do yeah. because we don't know how to inhibit the failure rate, and we don't know what a good recruiting process looks like. When you press, but what what I'm getting in this conversation is what I get when I talk with most recruiters, which is yeah, there's a fifty percent failure rate, but it's not my fault. Um, no, no. <laughs> You should be getting the opposite of that. I, like I mentioned, doctors, uh, assuming that a doctor is doing their 
Assuming that you can rely on a doctor to know the best care, but one individual doctor would be the same as either hiring a recruiting firm or hiring a rec an internal recruiter and assuming that they know how to execute their tasks. So we should be addressing the process, the people, and, and defining what does success look like. And I don't think that we've, we've gone deep enough to determine what does success look like for a recruiter? What sort of guarantees do we need to have in recruiting? And then, of course, there are other external factors that, that are at play. For example, if you have a, if you have a, um, a, a medical patient on a smoking secession plan and the doctor has done their job or not, there are still the external factors of you know, is that person going to walk into a smoky bar and get triggered? Uh, have that person removed the stressors in their life? And if not, you know, will that be a trigger? So it, it's a, there, there's two sides to the coin that both need to be addressed. I don't, I don't think that it's, it's one or the other. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult to solve problems when you focus on the fact that there are two sides of the coin. It's to solve problems when people take responsibility for the problems. Anyhow, you're interested in the ethical um, um, aspects of AI. It's a really interesting question. Uh, what, tell me something about what you're thinking there. Sure. So the big conversation, um, both internal uh, for HR and then AI as it applies to other job functions, is can and should artificial intelligence uh, replace jobs, um, jobs that humans do. And I think it's a, a fascinating conversation because we're, we're trending towards a reality where artificial intelligence is going to change the makeup of workforce. And we're seeing that at McDonald's where they're bringing in kiosks to uh, replace the $10 an hour worker. Um, we're seeing other, we're, we're seeing cities, move towards higher uh, minimum wages, and we're seeing how business responds. And technology has a very unique role in that conversation because business generally attempts to solve problems uh, in a way that's most beneficial to business. Um, but we also need to have conversations of what's beneficial for business, and is that, and can that be the same that's beneficial for employees uh, in the community. So um, those are, that's kind of one of the ethical questions of how, how good should we make AI or how reliant should we be on technology and what is the human extent of that? So, so let me, let me give you the, the scenario. The, um, a machine takes a stack of, of 300 resumes and gives you a short list of 10. Um, do you take the machine at face value or did you go out of its process? And how often do you do that? You know, I would probably have a system of taking the the technology seven times out of 10 and then comparing three times out of 10 just to see how aligned and how successful 
the technology is. So sort of a trust but, but verify sort of process to make sure that uh, we're getting the outcomes that, that we're desiring. So, so I, I like that idea. That's, a, that's, that's, that's actually a very straightforward way to approach the problem. But I wonder, right, generally the machine is going to replace the people who know how to do the detailed resume review. And so, and so does, this, does this mean that you, that you buy the technology so that it can do the job, but you have to keep the people who did the job in the first place? This is where technology augments staff because I wouldn't use technology to eliminate a recruiting function of a business. Um, and I also feel like you're going to need someone who understands the objectives of the objectives that the technology is supposed to um, produce, um, how to tweak the technology, um, how to test the technology against benchmarks. Um, so realistically, that may mean that your lower level, in this scenario, your lower level sourcer uh, is going to no longer be a part of the team, but you're still going to need to have a senior level recruiter who can say, who can interpret the data, who can test the data, who can make sure that they're doing the seven out of 10 and the three out of 10 that I mentioned. So you're, it's, you're going to need specialists who know the field as well as can understand the technology. And whether that's one person, whether that's multiple people in a department, I think it's going to require um, the practitioners to step their game up a bit because now it's, you know, you're competing with technology for the outcome, but the value that you have as a professional is your ability to interpret the outcome and, Share that with the, the senior leaders in your organizations of whether or not this tool is successful, why it's successful, um, and, and those sorts of conversations. Got it. Got it. Well, that's that's an interesting model. So so that sounds like you bring in this this one tool and it shifts to resume and and lower level sourcers might be displaced, but everybody in the recruiting process's job will change as the result of this of the introduction of this technology. How do you suppose we figure out what, what changes? Well, we would start with the business objectives and say, what are we trying to accomplish? Uh, we're trying to accomplish a 20% failure rate in recruitment with a cost not to exceed X amount of dollars. And then you work yourself backwards of saying, okay, well, Here's how we need to set up the technology. Here are the benchmarks that we're going to have for each aspect of the process, so on and so forth. So begin with the end in mind and then reverse engineer a process that gets you to that goal. So do you need to do that before you buy the technology? I, I, I think you should. Um, you should do that before you buy the technology because you need to know what your what your goal is in the first place. You know, if I'm if I'm on a health journey and my goal is to to uh, add more muscle, you know, but I walk into a a, um, a a treadmill dealer and and they convince me that this is going to help me, uh, you know, get healthier. 
um, you know, I could be swayed by the, um, the, the sales process. Uh, but you should know and be able to defend your objectives and then have a conversation with the various um, providers in the marketplace so that their conversation could either enhance your understanding of, of your objective uh, or let you know for sure that this product isn't the one for me and here's why. So I think I'm you need to you. know that before you, before, you, uh, before you reach out to a vendor. I'm going to use that that analogy. That's great. That's that's really great. Uh, so so, what are the big questions that have your attention? What are you trying to figure out? Well, uh, as far as my business goes, it's how do we help small businesses understand HR technology? Um, how do we help them pick it? I, I think um, small businesses can can be un not as educated about vendor selection. And so helping in the vendor selection process for various tools and technologies, um, working with uh, providers of HR technology and helping them create solutions that solve uh, business problems. Um, and then specifically in the realm of, of AI, I mentioned before with recruiting, um, but also the um, performance management aspect of it. Um, you and I were at a table together for a software provider, and um, the question came up about, or I raised the question about how do you, how do you ensure that a message is captured based on a person's own uh, dialect, uh, their idiom, um, their word choice, um, because those things matter in the grand scheme of technology as well. And that could be the difference between relying on technology and getting the right heart behind what someone's communicating or being totally off base and, uh, and the outcomes that result from there. So those are some things that are, that are on my, on my radar right now and just um, interested to, to be a part of those conversations. Well, so this has been a, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for engaging some decent pushback in the middle um, and uh, that was a lot of fun um, why don't you take a moment and reintroduce yourself remind people what your company does and tell them how to get a hold of you sure well John first of all thank you for having me on the show um, it's been an honor but my name is Joey Price and uh, I'm the founder of Jumpstart HR uh, we work with small businesses and startups to provide strategic HR solutions so that's outsourcing as well as um, administrative components. Um, I've got a weekly podcast called Business Life and Coffee. You can consume that wherever you get your podcast. And also, I'm one of those uh, HR influencers that you hear about these days. Uh, so that means working with brands to help tell their story, uh, to, to pick their product apart and see how it's helpful, how it's not. And so I'd love to connect with anyone on LinkedIn as well. You can find me uh, it's just linkedin.com slash in slash Joey V. Price. And that'd be a good launching point for reaching out to me. And again, John, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks, Joey. It's been a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, you've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. We have been talking with Joey Price, CEO and founder of Jumpstart HR, and one of the fast-rising players in the um, um, 
HR and HR tech circuit. Um, watch him over time. This guy's a meteor. Thanks very much for listening, and we will see you back here same time next week. We will be talking with Cecile from Ultimate Software, live from Singapore. Bye-bye now. Thank you.